seen the celebrities who are um, allegedly targeted, I don't want to say targeted, but allegedly um, sexually assaulted someone, and you look at how the vast uh, media, you know, approaches that, it's like, oh, they just doing, they're just saying that because they want money out of them, or oh, this, 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 and it's like, if you're doing that to them, then why would your next door neighbor, why would your coworker, or why would your family member come and say, hey, this is something that happened to me? Welcome to Theology and Therapy. I'm your host, Alicia, and I'm currently a therapist in training who aspires to help the Christian community. Being that I am a student, everything that I say will come from my own research and or experience. And this podcast is not to be a substitute for therapy. I highly encourage you to seek a licensed mental health professional in your area. Okay, now that that's out of the way, I hope you enjoyed this session. When you see this title called Let's Talk About Sex, I understand that sex is a topic that is kind of not shared publicly. Some people, they shy away from the conversation. They may feel like, oh, only your intimate um, partners is supposed to know about your sex life. But I feel that an issue that happens is that sex isn't talked about as much in the church. And then you see, you know, pastors sleeping with congregation. You see teenage mothers in the church. And what's kind of swept under the rug is the reason why a lot of times you have these teenage pregnancies and you have these infidelities. And so today what I wanted to do was kind of break down the topic of sex because that is such a broad um, and loaded word, you know? And so there's just a few things regarding sex that I want to talk about. So please just indulge me for a little bit and um, hopefully this opens your mind to certain things, maybe invites conversations that need to be had, um, and and really bring some awareness to why it's so needed in the church. So for teenage conversations, in my grad school, I did a paper of how, you know, not talking about sex in the church leads a lot to teenage pregnancies. And so basically, just kind of summarizing what Um, I discussed in some of my resources that I found was that, you know, parents, they don't really have that talk about sex to their teenagers. A lot of parents, they feel like, okay, if we talk about it, then that might be a inkling that, hey, I'm okay with you doing it. Or if we talk about it, that means that, you know, you might be more curious to do it. And so they feel like, well, all, I need, all you need to know is don't have sex until you're married. But that doesn't really help the teenager. And I'm saying teenager because obviously these conversations need to be age appropriate. Like you're not going to tell a five-year-old, you know, the ins and out of having sex. But obviously when you're talking about sex with children, um, adolescents, young adults, it has to be age appropriate. And so oftentimes you see a lot of teenagers, which is, 13 
to eight, um, 19 that are indulging in these activities because of the lack of information. And I feel that inviting that conversation early on, age appropriate, remind you, um, it doesn't necessarily say, hey, okay, this is what sex is about. This is the enjoyment of sex. Go out and do it. But it's basically saying, I want you to be fully um, aware and have all the knowledge of it. So when that time comes, you're not trying to search of it on your own and you're fully equipped to make a informed decision. And so I'm bringing it to the church because, you know, growing up, you know, you hear people and they're like, yeah, I was raised in the church. And so we, as believers, we hold, you know, the doctrine as law, right? We we hold what the pastors say as law. And as parents, they want to reflect or image um, or mirror what the church is saying. And so if parents are talking about it and the church is talking about it, then it dispels the want or the earning of teenagers learning through their peers, teenage learning through what they see on TV, you know, it dispels those types of things because it's like, no, this is what my parents are saying. This is what my pastor is saying. And so I am not inclined to try to seek it out on my own. And I think when you have teenagers that are seeking the information out on their own because they're not well informed, that's when those mistakes and decisions are made um, that are kind of unavoidable. And so also with that, you know, maybe because I, I try to think about, OK, well, do you really want the pastor to just always be talking about it in, at Sunday school? Right. And I think, you know, there's youth ministry. And I think in youth ministry, that's where it should be talked about as well. Uh, providing that open space to, you know, yes, we know the word. Yes, we know what, you know, the Bible, what God is saying that we as believers should do, but providing in youth ministry, providing that open spray space to talk about, look, these are the dangers. These are why we say to wait. You know, these is what soul ties are. And I think having those type of conversations would really help someone to um, make their informed decisions. At the end of the day, we can't make somebody do anything, no matter what we you know, say we can't um, convince, right? The Holy Spirit convinces, the Holy Spirit um, convicts. And so with us providing that information to whomever will allow them to say, hey, you know what? I don't need to be easily influenced by what I'm seeing on TV, by what I see my friends in school is doing. I don't, I'm not going to be easily influenced on it because I know what comes with that. I know what happens when I, you know, tie my soul to someone and um, now I'm trying to break that soul tie. I know what happens when I give my body to someone um, without God's permission, and now the outcome of it, which could be a blessing, right? And I'm speaking on having a baby, getting pregnant, which baby is a blessing, but I understand that that was out of the will of God, or that wasn't what God had wanted for me in this 
season in my life. And so having these conversations are very, very critical, especially for someone who believes. And even in general, having age appropriate conversations with your children, because it will really, really help. And I'm saying this because my conversations of sex that I've had growing up was don't do it. Um, It was, okay, this is what STDs look like. This is what AIDS look like. This is what happens when, you know, it was more of the scare tactics, which, you know, I understand um, you only do what you've been taught, right? I understand that sex in my generation wasn't really discussed as much because it's like, well, just don't do it. Or, you know, you're not supposed to do it, so that's all you need to know. And with that, it left a lot of holes. It left a lot of um, confusion there because it's like, okay, well, I'm going to school now and I'm hearing people who are indulging in sex and I'm getting their interpretation of it. And so it can bring that curiosity. And, you know, thank God I don't have any children out of wedlock or anything like that. But what I'm saying is the lack of knowledge. We perish because of the lack of knowledge, right? And so that creating that space to actually say, hey, this is what it is. This is what it looks like. Um, This is a healthy, you know, sexual relationship. Or this is, you know, when married folks, this is why we, um, why sex was created. And having that conversation really, really helps because it, like I said, dispels a lot of confusion. I think also what going, touching on soul ties, I think in my adulthood, I realized how important that is and and know and recognizing what a soul tie is. So I know um, earlier in my years, I didn't really understand what a soul tie is, right? And so my definition now is basically aligning your soul with somebody else's. And that can be through intimacy, that can be through an intimacy meaning not sex, and then that can be through sex. And Aligning that soul or what it looks like is saying, okay, you've had, say, sexual relations with a guy or with a girl, and now you're making decisions based off of a feeling that you had while you guys were intimate or while you guys were engaging sex. So staying in a relationship, even though that, you know, he's um, talking down on you possibly, you know, abusing you mentally, physically, spiritually, Um, he's or she is, you know, cheating on you, like doing things that devalues you and, you know, not treating you of what your worth is made of. But because of that tie there, it's hard to let go. Or and then I I like to think that it even comes from like friendships and, and attachments, right? That you know, you're staying in something or somebody is can so affect you to the point where you can be on the phone with them and instantly your your mood changes. Instantly, you know, you're now your whole day is ruined because of one thing that this person said. And so making sure that you're not tied to that person because 
whatever characteristics that comes with that can be leached onto you. And then now you're operating in it and it's not even in your character. Um, Another thing that when talking about sex is more of like celibacy or abstinence, right? Like that can really help you with, you know, cutting those soul ties. You know, there's there is a culture of, oh, we're friends with benefits, right? That's like a, a huge culture that a lot of people are in. But even with that friends with benefits, okay, that means that, okay, you can go out and do your thing. I can go out and do my thing, but we're doing our things together. So then this guy who's sleeping with other women, right, and, and aligning his, his soul to theirs is now all that is being leached onto you when you become um have sexual relations with him. And that's just a lot of soul ties right there that are being attached to you, being attached and affecting, you know, the way you view things, maybe the way you view God. And that's not what you're supposed to be aligned to. Um, and practicing celibacy or abstinence is very crucial because it allows you to have control over something and in that control, you're able to view life differently. So say if you are someone who engages in a lot of um, sexual relations, right? Now you decided that, okay, I'm going to practice abstinence. I'm going to practice celibacy. You're able to now view things in a different way. You're able to see how much even just being sexually active controlled you um, when it comes to making decisions. Maybe you moved a whole state because of this guy or this girl um because you guys were the sex was great but then now you realize you realize that this guy or this girl really don't have you know much in common with me we don't really have much to talk about we we really the only thing that's really keeping us together in each other's life is just the sexual relationship that we have and so when you get a, a control of it and say, no, I'm cutting this out until I get married, then you're able to really look at people and see their value, see their worth, and see how it aligns with you. You're able to really get to know somebody as far as their true character and see, is this something that you really want to put up with as far as in a relationship, maybe one day marriage? And so um, having that, you know, control aspect, and it's not being an easy transition if you decide to become celibate or abstinent. But with prayer, with fasting, with really, you know, honing why you want to cut that out, you're able to continue to move forward. Um, I think also with, you know, just creating or what sex is, sex was created for married couples, right? God intended for a husband and a wife to have sex. That was there. It says in the Bible, you know, the bed is undefiled because God is pleased when you have sex when you're married because then it eliminates any distractions. It eliminates any um, confusion, you know, because of how powerful sex is. And I don't those like sex is literally two separate people coming together to, you know, physically show that they're one and they do that through sex by having a baby um, and really just 
worshiping and praising God, right? It says to not, that even if as a married couple, even if you're mad with your spouse, to not withhold that. Don't withhold um, sex from your spouse for long unless you both agree on it. Because as humans, because I don't even want to say that, oh, men are just more physical than women. I want to say as humans, we are physical beings. We are physical creatures. And when you're married, um, you know, you can confuse other, um, how am I trying to say? You can confuse outside distractions um, and, and then you can hold that to be something different if you're not sexually pleased. And I hope that made some sense. But what I'm basically saying is that with a spouse, withholding sex from their spouse can create some um, confusion. It can create some temptation. It can create things that will potentially have a person step out of their marriage um, due to that. And that's another reason why it says don't withhold unless you both agree, right? But even though you may be upset with your spouse, you know, that doesn't, being upset, um, meaning is that there's a breakdown in, in communication. That means there's some confusion there. And we know that God isn't the author of confusion. So being upset, it means that there's just a, a barrier. There's just an obstacle right there that we're not seeing eye to eye about. Um, but that doesn't give me the right to say, okay, well, because we're not seeing eye to eye about our finances, I'm going to withhold having sex with you for this whole month because you can't come to an agreement with me on my fi on our finances. Like, that's not what that means. But if we agree that, hey, you know what? Um, we want to fast. We're doing this fast. And we want to just say, cut out sex so that we can just really hear from God for this week. Um, in our marriage, and I'm talking about married folks, we just want to um, maybe cut out sex and sweets uh, this week just to fast to really, you know, uh, pray more and listen, and y'all both agree, then that's totally fine, right? Because y'all both came to an agreement with it. But me just saying, oh, okay, you didn't give me flowers when I asked for them. Now I'm withholding sex. Like, no, that's not, that's not, um, we can't use sex as a bargaining chip or as a punishment or the lack thereof use it as a punishment because of what we didn't get. Um, I think also what's something to talk about, like I said, sex, this, the word, the topic is so, it's a loaded topic, right? You can talk about different um, faucets of sex. It's, it's a very loaded, loaded um, topic. But I think another thing that is worth mentioning is sexual assault, especially in this type of platform. Um, you have people who suffer from either being molested as a child, um, sexually abused, sexually harassed, and that is something that the culture surrounding it, if you look at celebrities who are being um, targeted as allegedly sexually harassing someone, you see the culture of what we do to the victims, right? And when I say victims, I want to say that those person, 
that person was a victim when it happened. But that doesn't mean that they're now a victim um, now, right? They are just someone who suffered from sexual abuse. And I think the language that we use around this um, is very key and important because when we say victim and we hold them as victim, 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 we think of them, when you think of a victim, you think of somebody that may be weak. You think of someone that, you know, maybe can't uh, or don't speak up for themselves. And the language that we use around when we hear, oh, this person, especially for women, the language that we use, when we hear that a woman was raped, was um, sexually assaulted, the instant questions that come up is, well, what was she wearing? What time of night was it? Where was she at? As if all those are indicators that, okay, well, because she was wearing a dress versus pants, that gave that it's so it's excusable for her to get raped. No, that's not true. Because she was out at night at a party, that's excusable for her to get sexual assaulted. No, that's not true. And so I think the language that we use and the culture needs to really um, change in the aspect of when people come forward about being sexually assaulted or being raped, because it right now it prevents people from even speaking up, right? They already feel like it was their fault that it happened to them. They already have those uh, thoughts in their head that, man, my mom always told me, you know, don't, you know, be out late at night, or my mom always told me this, 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 and so they are already beating themselves up about it, and then when they do find that courage within themselves to come forward, and then now the audience, now the majority is beating those same things into them, then, you know, it makes them wish they didn't want to come forward, it makes them um, wish that it, it just reiterates that maybe it was their fault, which it wasn't, you know. And so um, I feel that watching how people interact with, like I said, the celebrities, right, because that's something that we all can agree on. I'm sure we probably know somebody that was either affected or maybe you was affected personally by um any sexual assault, but as a consensus, we watch the news, we know celebrities. And so seeing the celebrities who are um, allegedly targeted, I don't want to say targeted, but allegedly um, sexually assaulted someone, and you look at how the vast uh, media, you know, approaches that it's like oh they just doing they're just saying that because they want money out of them or oh this 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 and it's like if you're doing that to them then why would your next door neighbor why would your co-worker or why would your family member come and say hey this is something that happened to me because we already see how majority of the people um take that the sexual assault um allegations and and who they target right i hope you enjoyed this session all resources mentioned can be found at theologyandtherapy.com if you would like to be a part of the spill the tea portion of our session please email us at alicia a-l-i-c-i-a at theologyandtherapy.com if you would like to be anonymous please state that in the email you can also follow us on instagram at theologyandtherapy until our next session have a great week